0: hello and welcome back to the jones chronicles history i'm your host christina we are carrying on with part two of black queens in history today we're going to be talking about candace queen empress of olympia as well as queen nazinga before we get into our discussion of queens wherever you're listening to this podcast stitcher itunes spotify podbean amazon go down to the rating section drop some stars leave a review my social media will be there as well remember to like share and subscribe and if you have any ideas or feedback to send in blackercouch at gmail.com so let's start with candace or candike i'm not sure with that pronunciation there was the name given to any queen or empress of ethiopia by the europeans and these great women were seen to be wives of the gods or the living god candace of 332 bc has a particular story that still should stand tall today despite the lack of knowledge of these queens this legend made its way out her actual name was said to be amanarinus that's a very gorgeous name she was blind in one eye due to losing it in a battle with the romans she was known to be a fierce tactical and uniting leader alexander the great had reached Khmet, ancient egypt and was gearing up to battle into ethiopia let's go alexander never fought candace Though, and there are a few accounts as to why. The wildly accepted view, one given by Chancellor Williams, who wrote *The Destruction of Black Civilization*, is that upon hearing Alexander the Great coming, Empress Candace or a Ama- Manarinus—I'm going to try a Manarinus—I like that one better. A Manarinus gathered her black troops. Lined them up across the first cataract along with herself and stood on top of two African elephants on a throne and waited for Alexander to show up. You can't get rid of me, bitch. I'm not going nowhere. I'm not going no fucking where. Now Alexander the Great didn't want to chance a loss and give up his undefeated winning streak. Win face with this very intimidating shit he definitely didn't want to lose it to a woman so once seeing the black queen on her elephants and her black armies along with her alexander the great halted his armies at the first cataract and turned back into egypt these niggas crazy as fuck once he saw the deadly military tactician in all her glory and her black army with the latest iron weapons he decided against an invasion and just simply turned around the other view offered by william leo Hansberry says that alexander met semi-privately with candace legend has it that candace advised alexander to leave the region immediately and if he refused after defeating his army she would cut off his head and roll it down a hill i told you that bitch crazy i will say if i had to pick a version and both are amazing i think i like option two better (laughs) as canon biblical evidence shows that a powerful empress named queen candace was the ruler of ethiopia the bible mentions her in the book of acts eight i don't know even how how to read this eight verses 26 39 is that how you read that don't know wasn't paying attention the following is not a is an excerpt of queen candace and her eunuch acts 8 26 39 just gonna say it like that now an angel of the lord said to philip go south to the road the desert road that goes down from jerusalem to gaza 27 so he started and on his way he met an ethiopian eunuch An important official in charge of all the treasury of candace queen of the ethiopians this man had gone to jerusalem to worship verse 28 and on his way home was sitting on his chariot reading the book of isaiah the prophet 29 the spirit told philip go to that chariot and stay near it 30 then philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading isaiah the prophet do you understand what you are reading philip asked how can i he said unless someone explains it to me so he invited philip to come up and sit with him the eunuch was reading this passage of scripture he was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent so he did not open his mouth in his humiliation he was deprived of justice who can speak of his descendants for his life was taken from the earth the eunuch asked philip tell me please who is the prophet talking about with who who is the prophet talking about himself or someone else then philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about jesus as they traveled along the road they came to look to some water and the eunuch said look here is water why shouldn't i be baptized and he gave orders to stop the chariot then both philip and the eunuch went down into the water and philip baptized him when they came up out of the water the spirit of the lord suddenly took philip away and the eunuch did not see him again but went on his way rejoicing that was a whole damn story about a eunuch of (laughs) the empress of ethiopia that got baptized good to know didn't know that was uh was in there <laughs> i do know that the, it is based on historical events you know that part's right the candaces of moreau were the queens of the kingdom of Kush who ruled from the city of moreau uh, a number of whom ruled independently From C-284 BCE, or actually from 284 BCE to 314 CE, and from 100 BCE to 304 CE, 14, which is, okay, oh, independently they ruled in that other time frame. And what is now Sudan, Sudan, depending on what part of the country of America you're from. The title Candace is the Latinized version of the term Kintake or Kondake in Mariotic and may mean Queen Regent or Queen Mother but it could also mean Royal Woman. Although the term seems to have originally referred to the mother of the king from around 170 BCE it was also used to designate a female monarch who reigned independently the queens making up the Candices of moreau were of the following please bear with me of all mispronunciations <laughs> shana daketti amana Renus uh reigned from 170 bce and then our candace Amanarenus ruled from 40 to 10 BCE. Amanish Karto That sounds close enough. From 10 BCE to 1 CE. Amanatore, easiest one thus far. From 1 c to 25 CE. Amana, Amanatater from 25 C to 41 CE, Amanikatashan from 62 C to 85 CE, Mel Korobar from 266 C to 283 CE, and finally, Lahid Demane or Demane or Demani. There we go from 306 to 314 CE. The royal title has uh, very often been confused with the the actual name of the ruler. Prior to 284 BCE, kings ruled Kush from Moreau, but the king, Ergamenes, also known as Arkamani I from 295 to 275 BCE, I know you're very confused by the dates because they seem to go backwards. Yeah, you have to. I I can't even break this down for you right now. (laughs) And I don't even have a simplified way to explain how we do timelines, but just know I, I know that it must be a little confusing with the dates. Instituted a number of reforms, and among these seems to be the elevation of royal women to the position of queen. The title kintake kan- or or appears prior to Ergamini's reign, but there is no evidence of women reigning alongside a king, only of a royal woman who was the king's mother. Following his reign, however, the title often refers to a female mon- monarch. Male rulers follow Ergamenes in succession and seem to have had queens who co-ruled or exerted significant influence. But the queen candace shana Decate, or decatete something like that 170 bce reigned independently and so did a number of women after her sources do have a little bit of conflicting information regarding her first name because she's also referred to ama to tear but considering that there is discrepancy just know that in the source materials that i will be providing below there is a little mix up between the names that concludes Candace's story of course it's just a brief overview so if you want to find uh, more information definitely check out the source material below let's talk about queen nazinga or nazinga mabande the monarch of the Mub- Mumbundu people who was a resilient leader who fought against the portuguese and their expanding slave trade in central africa nzinga was born in 1583 in angola and during that time of her birth the atlantic slave trade was at its peak and the portuguese were gaining much power over angolia her father nagolo kia samba whom the country was later named after became king, ruling over the Mumbundu, I'm gonna try to say it slow, <laughs> people in Nandango and Matamba when Nazinga was just 10 years old. Her mother, Gungela Kakombe, was the favorite amongst all the king's concubines. And even though Nazinga had several siblings, the most recognized was her brother, Nagola Munbandi, who eventually became king after the death of their father. According to the legends, at the time of Nzinga's birth, her umbilical cord was wrapped around her neck, and in the Nandango tradition, children with unusual births were believed to be born for higher purposes. An old prophecy even prophesied that Nzinga was no ordinary child, As she would grow to become a great warrior or leader amongst all the king's children nzinga mambande was the king's favorite she would be what you would call a typical daddy's girl as she was highly favored by her father the king as a young girl she showed very little to no interest in feminine things rather she was more interested in men's business like training as a warrior alongside her father participating in several official duties and even going for battles also because of how precious she was to her father the king she was the only child of all the king's children to be specially trained by the portuguese missionaries who taught her to read and write in portuguese as well as speak the language fluently and because she had no claims to the throne as she was a female and a daughter of one of the king's slave wives, her closeness with her father did not cause much concern to her brothers who were heirs to the crown. During the late 16th century, the French and the English threatened the Portuguese near monopoly on the sources of slaves along the West African coast, forcing it to seek new areas for exploitation by 1580 they had already established a trading relationship with alfonso i in the nearby congo kingdom they then turned to angola south of the congo the portuguese established a fort and a settlement at luanda in 1617 encroaching on mbundu land in 1622 they invited negola king Mbande to attend a peace conference there to end the hostilities with the Mbandu. Mbande sent his sister Nazinga to represent him in a meeting with the Portuguese governor João Correia de Sousa. Nazinga was aware of her diplomatically awkward position. She knew events in the Congo which had led to the Portuguese domination of the nominally independent nation. She also recognized, however, that to refuse to trade with the Portuguese would remove a potential ally and the major source of guns for her own state. In the first of a series of meetings, Nzinga sought to establish her equality with a representative of the Portugal crown. Noting that the only chair in the room belonged to Governor Correa, she immediately motioned to one of her assistants who fell on her knees or her hands and knees and served as a chair for nzinga for the rest of the meeting you gonna learn today despite that display nzinga made accommodations with the portuguese she converted to christianity and adopted the name donna Ana de souza she was baptized in honor of the governor's wife who also became her godmother Shortly afterwards, Nzinga urged a reluctant Nagola Mabande to order the conversion of his people to Christianity. In 1626, Nzinga became queen of the Mabundu when her brother committed suicide in the face of the rising Portuguese demands for slave trade concessions. Nzinga, however, refused to allow them to control her nation. In 1627, after forming alliances, With former rival states, she led her army against the Portuguese, initiating a 30-year war against them. I'm the man up in this piece. You'll never see the light of the fuck you think you fucking with. I'm the police. I run shit here. You just live here. Yeah, that's right. You better walk away. Go and walk away, because I'm going to burn this motherfucker down. King Kong ain't got shit. She exploited the European rivalry by forging an alliance with the Dutch who had conquered Luanda in 1641. With their help, Nzinga defeated a Portuguese army in 1647. When the Dutch were in turn defeated by the Portuguese the following year and withdrew from Central Africa, Nzinga continued her struggle against the Portuguese. Now in her 60s, she still personally led troops into battle she also orchestrated guerrilla attacks on the portuguese which would continue long after her death and inspired the ultimately successful 20th century army resistance against the portuguese that resulted in independent angolia in 1975 gotcha bitch despite repeated attempts by the portuguese and their allies to capture or kill queen Nzinga, she died peacefully in her 80s on december 17th of 1663 having a female ruler wasn't something that was acceptable at the time especially being that her mother was only a concubine and not a legal wife to her father the king Nagola kia mabande i just said that like i i had it down packed i'm just congratulating myself thank you. Nazinga faced much criticism especially from other noble families interested in the throne but she fought the oppositions by ordering the killings of all those who opposed her rule. She also had her supporters seize the ritual objects which were associated with the monarchy nazinga didn't stop there oh no she went as far as marrying a man named kasa kasa was an Mbangala war chief to whom king nagola mabande had entrusted his only son who was just seven years old at the time oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no, 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 no. i shouldn't laugh it's not funny i just knew where this was automatically going after her marriage, he had the little prince killed with the justification of avenging her son, who was murdered by the young prince's late father, King Nagola Mabandi. Why the fuck you lying? The conflict between the Portuguese and Nazinga's people continued to worsen as the Portuguese invaded their lands And in an attempt to escape being killed, Nazinga fled with her people to the west, where she formed a new state in Ma Mod- matamba there we go there she built a sanctuary for african soldiers that had trained under the portuguese as well as runaway slaves this became a form of military training colombo did i say that right because it sounds like (laughs) colombo while nazinga was at matamba re-strategizing on how to conquer the portuguese nadal uh, Nidogo was already under the control of the Portuguese who in Nazinga's absence was using a puppet leader to control the affairs of the Ndogans soon Nazinga's military which she had been training in Matamba I don't know why I can't say that word Matamba fought and defeated the Portuguese however in another war in 1625 the Portuguese defeated Nazinga and her people yet again this led her to find an ally in the netherlands that took control of luanda but the portuguese reclaimed luanda as well then in the battle of nagolime and combi the nadogans defeated the portuguese once again but after losing her sister who was a spy for her during the war nazinga retreated back to matamba The back-and-forth attacks between the Portuguese and and the Ndongo people grew weary, and both parties decided on a new peace treaty. This time around, they settled their conflicts and came to an agreement. At last, the Ndongo people were free from the Portuguese. Queen Nzinga Mbande was truly brave and persistent in her quest to free her people from slavery and oppression by the Portuguese. She died in 1663 at the age of 86. Up until this day, Queen Nzinga remains celebrated as a prominent, fearless female warrior with the strength of a great king. It may not mean nothing to y'all understand nothing was done for me so i don't plan on stopping at all i want this shit forever mine ever mine ever mine. before we do out of this week's episode mimi dropped a instagram about how black people may have invented surfing so i decided to listen to the video that she provided which was very informational but i also always love to find sources which led me to the article a brief history of surfing in africa and the diaspora by kevin dawson popular histories of surfing tell us the polynesians were the only people to develop surfing that the first account of surfing was written in hawaii in 1778 and that bruce brown robert august and mike henson introduced surfing into west africa all these claims are incorrect the modern surf cultures currently developing along africa's long shoreline are not something new they are a rebirth the remembering and reimagining of a thousand year old traditions the first known account of surfing was written during the 1640s in what is now ghana surfing was independently developed from senegal to angola africa possesses thousands of miles of warm surf filled waters and populations of strong swimmers and seagoing fishermen and merchants who knew surf patterns and crude surf canoes capable of catching and riding waves upwards of 10 feet high. Africans surfed on three to five foot long wooden surfboards in a prone sitting, kneeling, or standing position and in small one-person canoes. Despite Brown's claim that Quote, The Endless Summer 1966 introduced surfing into Ghana. If viewers shift their eyes away from August and Henson, they will see Guy youth of Labata or Labadi village near Accra, Ghana, riding traditional surfboards, which can still be found at some bi- beaches. <laughs> Bitches. The ability of Guy men in the film to stand on the american's longboards illustrates their surfing tradition africans also rode longboards about 12 feet long and used them to paddle several miles english anthropologist robert Ratteray provided the best description and photographs of paddle boards on lake basa uh, Basumtwe, located about 100 miles inland of cape coast ghana the asante believe the anthropomorphic lake god Twee prohibited canoes on the lake keeping the divine sanctions people fished from paddle boards called padua or mapadua plural and used them to traverse a uh, traverse this file five mile wide crater lake yeah my tongue is about to just literally so many words so there's more to this article of course and i will link it below but i thought that was some interesting whitewashing of history as you know we are kind of used to but it is our responsibility to start digging in our past which is the inspiration of this podcast and finding the truth behind just what we're being told so if you have any ideas suggestions articles that you want me to read or you write something up that you want me to read Send it to blackgirlcouch at gmail.com. Next week, we're going to take a quick uh, break from Africa. And we're going to go to African-Americans or Blacks in Scotland, which I was able to find a ton of information on. So that might take up the whole 30, 35 minutes that I want this to be. So uh, once again, my social media will be below. Remember to like, share, and subscribe. Until next time, peace, hair grease, and Black Girl Magic.